What's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of This Moment. This podcast serves as a transatlantic bridge connecting Sweden to the United States, Stockholm to Harlem, and BIPOC communities across the globe. We are all a part of that one and same diaspora. All things food, music, culture, current events, troubles, and triumphs. That's what we deal with analyze talk about ventilate and for those who may not know i'm jason diakite i'm based out here in stockholm and as always i'm here with my dear friend and brother chef marcus samuelson out of harlem new york marcus how you doing man i'm good 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 you know it's spring mm. in new york mm. and it's one of, of my favorite times normally normally around this time we're getting ready for Harlem Eat Up, but because we are still in the pandemic, um, you know, we're definitely not going to do a full Eat Up this year. We might do something on TV or online and later on in the summer. But normally May means two things for me. It's my sister's birthday, which also is, to, you know, May 6th is the day when we arrived to Sweden. And... Um, Harlem meet up. So, uh, yeah, I can see by the flag that's hanging in the background that you're back home. You're in Harlem. And I, I will say, you know, it sounds cliche, but man, I love New York in the spring. Having said that, I also love New York in the summer and New York in the fall is like the best time of all. The only thing I would say where I, and I prefer to be in New York than in Stockholm is during the winter. I, I, I would agree with that. In Sweden, it's tough. It's tough in New York, yeah. but it, you know, a Swedish yeah, winter it's tough. is it's tough, tough. And it, but Sweden is built for winter. Mm. So if the one thing Sweden does very well Absolutely. is winter. New York, every year we know there's going to be no, snow it, and each year we're surprised by it. <laughs> I know, I know. And I, I living in New York, I couldn't, I, you know, each time, uh, th and there's a lot of focus on the weather in New York in a whole different way than you have in Sweden. And each time there was a blizzard rolling yeah. in, like there's going to be a blizzard on Friday. The blizzard has a name. Yeah. Uh, it could be, you know, uh, that it has a boy's or a girl's name or here, the Arctic blast is coming. Yeah. You know, it always has a very cool like title and everybody knows about it and everybody kind of hunkers down. Mm -hmm. Whereas in Sweden, you know, it snows and <laughs> it snows and people still go to school yep. and, 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 you know, they, they go to the shops. Nothing really changes. And sometimes, sometimes it dumps, you know, sometimes it dumps in Stockholm and snows a lot and people still go to school and the buses still run on time. It, that never ceased to no, amaze you, me with living I in New York. I remember the first snowstorm I lived with through in New York and I was like, when is the snowstorm? And they were like, this is a snowstorm. I was like, that's not a snowstorm. That's snow coming down. <laughs> there is a difference. That's just snow falling and it is winter. But on the flip side of that, when spring hits in Sweden, mm -hmm. everybody comes out. It's, it's, it's amazing because people will come out like, it could be 42 degrees mm -hmm. and sunny and people will be in their t-shirts in the park, yeah. like sunning themselves. Yeah. Uh, it's really an amazing thing to see. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues 
your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. See, Jason, it's National Barbecue Month, which means pull up with a grill. And Marcus, you're Swedish too, so you know that barbecue, the name barbecue is not something commonly used in Sweden. Here we call it grilling. Well, stop, hold up, stop, 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 stop. <laughs> this is very, very important, right? Because as a chef, I was always annoyed when, you know, people talk about barbecuing in Sweden. I was like, wait a minute, you don't really barbecue. You put stuff on the grill, and that's not the same as barbecuing. You know, like barbecue. So you're telling me barbecue and grill is not the same thing? It's definitely not the same thing. And as a complete, I mean, wow. you are definitely. I mean, I know that barbecue in the States, when I have that, it tastes a lot better than grill in Sweden. Well, I will say I that. I mean, I think the word grilling, right? And we go out grilling with our friends. It's a better word because that's actually what Swedish people are doing, right? They're enjoying mm-hmm, with their friends, mm-hmm. bring some burgers, some you know some guys bring some high end meat and put it on but barbecue is is completely different you know and we're going to go through in details with this when our dear friend Rodney Scott um you know his family started Scott's barbecue and um you know like when i think about Scott's barbecue in the carolinas with Rodney Scott running it now it's generational mm. families this is part of it's like mm-hmm. if you father is a jazz musician and you're a jazz musician it's part of your bones do you know what i mean and this mm-hmm, idea mm-hmm. barbecue is all over the world the japanese they smoke on low heat you think about korean you think about really uh mongolia for example uh very different techniques right because mm-hmm. meat it's very expensive so you know the lesser cuts is something that you just can't throw away and these are the cuts that actually lend itself perfect to barbecue and also what differentiates mm. many cultures too are the sides the sauces and the sides right when you think about korean barbecue you eat with rice you think about carolina barbecue very often there would be cornbread or there would be beans there would be collard even mac and cheese right mm. again mm-hmm. swedish grilling is really more of nature i'm outside i'm cooking with my friend putting some dogs mm-hmm. on maybe even putting it's some a lot more basic yeah and and it's yeah, it's yeah. i think it's also this idea of cooking outside is liberating for everybody, right? Absolutely. It becomes something Absolutely. we can all participate in. So mm. OG, I would say Africa, obviously the continent has been part of it, and then the Caribbean, and then the southern states in America, but yeah. also Mexico, northern part of Mexico, yeah. a huge part of barbacoa mm-hmm. culture, which all very mm-hmm. often mm-hmm. doesn't actually get enough props. But barbacoa in, on the Mexican side, amazing. Mm. Mm, I can imagine. When you say 
cooking outside, though, I think both of when I traveled in Ghana, but also, for example, going to my friend Mika's mom's house in Addis. Mm -hmm. The kitchen is outside. Yes. Where I, there is a kitchen area inside, but the, the, the fire is outside and all the cooking is done outside. Yes. And what was most amazing to me with that, Marcus, and was that there would be kids Zion's age helping around the open flame, around the fire. Yes. Handing, you know, ha handing Mika's mama stuff and uh, holding pots and Pour, you know, bringing pots with, with water and, and, you know, whatever she was cooking in it. Uh, that I thought was very impressive. Just seeing to handle a, a kitchen outside and also whoever's there, no matter how old or young, is helping out. When I met my, my youngest sister, she was exactly Zion's age. And... Mm. Um, about the same height as Zion, but her physique, very, very different. I mean, she had muscles on okay. her arm. And I was like, I was wow. floored by that because <laughs> she yeah. woke up early every morning and her part of her job was to walk with her sister for an hour and a half walk to get water every day, right? Mm -hmm. And the tasks that kids are doing in not just Africa, but in many parts of the world at an early, early age. So that's why it's hard kind of to compare a 12-year-old or 5-year-old, you know, from mm. Africa and a 5-year-old from Sweden, let's say, United States. Um, and um, all those things that you were talking about, right? Um, mm -hmm. I just get that image in that picture in my head because you're right. It, it's, it's, it's an activity that if you're going to eat, you participate. You either participate in getting the animal or you participate mm -hmm. in making the fire or cleaning mm -hmm. up. But if you're eating mm -hmm. off this plate, you're participating. Mm. And I, 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 I imagine that becomes the celebration of actually eating is something not only was everybody involved in it, because what you're saying is, is you know, Mika's stepdad would go get the meat from the market. So that was his job. Then he'd bring the meat back. Mom was making the fire. The other kids around the house, cousins and so forth, were helping out, doing dishes, setting table. Like everybody's involved in it. And then when it comes to the point where they sit down and eat, that's something that's a, you know, every meal is a celebration. Mm -hmm. um, so Orthodox Easter was May 2nd, right? Which means also mm, a breaking mm -hmm. of a fast, which means that you eat meat right. for the first time in, in months, right? Which wow. that means that if you go back then 10 days, so someone like in Mickey's family, someone would go and get the goats in the city or outside mm -hmm. in the countryside at a market, maybe last mm -hmm. Wednesday or Tuesday. Wow. Then mm -hmm. the slaughter would probably happen on Saturday night because they don't, you know, they don't want to touch meat even during in the middle of uh, fasting. A fast. And then they would mm -hmm. hang it the whole day and then somewhere around noon or early, maybe 10 o'clock in the morning on Sunday, they would start cooking it. And then around three o'clock, everybody would get together and eat. And that idea, mm, mm. when you break fast, you haven't had meat for right. 60 days or nine, almost 90 days. The meat tastes amazing, but it's also a celebration mm -hmm. culture around it, right? Yeah, um, yeah. So, you know, all over 
not only Ethiopia, but all over the world, in, in Orthodox places, there would be breaking of fast and the celebration of lamb and goat would be very, very big. Mm-hmm. In the Islamic world, uh, Ramadan still happens. In the Orthodox world, the fast still happens. Are Western societies, are we missing on a health component by not fasting? When traditionally, this is what humans have been doing as far back as we can, as we have recorded more or less? Well, I I've, I fast with my wife because I think it's fun to do something together to share that moment, right? But also mm, the breaking mm. of it is amazing, and I wish like more people uh, would at some yeah, point but I, do I'm it. also thinking of the health benefit. Yeah. I guess that fasting may have its roots in that meat was scarce yeah, at a certain time of year, but also that it might have health benefits to just not eat meat, you know, maybe eat meat for uh, a 10 or 11 months of the year, but for one or two months, you don't do it. There's so many, there's so many benefits with it because it's also enjoyable to, once you take meat out of uh, the, thought process, you become much more creative with other mm-hmm. non-animal protein, right? You start thinking about beans, lentil, chickpeas in a completely different way. You start thinking about other dishes you could make and otherwise actually, you're very, you, you're actually limited by having, always thinking about a meat or a fish, right? Because mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. becomes the main proportion. And the way we are eating now, it's fairly new. Right, it's maybe mm-hmm. post Second mm-hmm. World War this was developed that meat or fish became center of the plate. Up until that point, it was absolutely the opposite. The potato, mm-hmm. rice, the beans were the center of the plate, of course. Absolutely. And then if you got a little meat, great. But there was other things that were center of the plate. And yeah, well, that's why you know if my dad was cooking black-eyed peas, there might be a, you know a bone in there, yeah, like beautiful, or a couple of oxtails. Yeah. But it wasn't like the main the main dish were the the beans mm-hmm. and whatever little piece of meat in there is just the flavoring actually, yeah. and maybe what he gets, you know. Or, or actually, my dad always had the philosophy that the youngest uh, gets served first. Because he spent, he spent a lot of years in West Africa where it was vice versa, where the oldest uh, gets served first. So he always did it in reverse at his nice. house. Peace. I love that. Being the youngest, I love that. I missed out on that. But, mm-hmm. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I do think like if you, the way you talk about that dish, right? You think about how very often in Southern style, if you, the way um, a lot of uh, black cooks does collard greens, for example, very often with turkey necks in it, right? Just a little bit of turkey necks mm-hmm. in the bottom or a little bit of ham hocks uh, in the collars and it, you know, makes it taste better. But it, that was the meal. That wasn't a side dish. That was the meal. And, you know, you were lucky mm-hmm. if you got a little bit of pieces of meat in there. But I do think that as we are thinking about green climate change, how we cook, how we eat, and how we lower our animal um, protein uh, taken as, 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 as a collective is one of the mm. biggest homeworks we have to do and we have to rethink mm-hmm. how we e- think about meat and, 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 and fish as well because we, you know, we are How we eat and what we're using. And how we, the process So we've it. established the fact that grill season is huge in Sweden. It's a big deal in the United States around the year because I'm guessing the biggest barbecue uh, uh, enthusiast, they're not taking any fast. There's no break in in that barbecue 365, I'm sure. Uh, They're two different things, but 
the want is to get to the same. You're outside, you're eating. It's about celebrating, I don't know, the season, the fact that you can be outside, definitely here in the Nordics. One of my favorite times when we had a guest chef at Red Rooster was when we invited Rodney, Rodney Scott. And the way he cooks uh-huh. it, it's really that level of mystique and it brings you back. Imagine he's cooking the way somebody cooks 2,000 years ago, right? There's, mm. there's not a uh-huh. trend coming or going. He's cooking in mm. a way. The, he's the, method, the methodology is just ancient. Yeah, that is five years mm. older, five times older than the United States itself. And then you also don't mm. sleep on the Caribbean. When we think about jerk, right? Jerk pork in Jamaica, jerk chicken in Jamaica, right? That's all barbecuing too. Right, slow, uh-huh, uh-huh. smoke, slowly, and they smoke Oof. it in this incredible wood and listening to ska and reggae and reggaeton and, and, and ragamuffin and all that stuff. So for me, barbecue also have sounds to it that is absolutely amazing. Uh-huh. So I'm going to call my buddy Rodney Scott, right? Uh-huh. And he's going to give us the technical, but also, you know, how he grew up with it. Well, my uh, my uncle and my cousins, yeah, they live in Baltimore. I know my uncle will eat him some barbecue. Uh, how, however, I doubt that he ever like creates it on an, on his own. But <laughs> I'm sure he can speak a, at length about how much he loves it. I would Definitely. love to hear from your family two different versions at least. Let me hit him up. Uh, because Let me hit just, him up. Even if it's completely out there, so what? But it just shows you, it evokes an emotion, <laughs> right? It's almost like mm-hmm. speaking soccer to somebody from brazil or england right so we uh-huh. think about brazilian soccer ways, yeah. you think about it from yoga bonito and you, right away you think about uh-huh. the beach and you you get excited uh-huh. and then uh-huh. you think about someone that's passionate in england equally passionate about soccer as someone in brazil just uh-huh. two different styles right and Absolutely. then to, then let's follow like somebody from germany in soccer very very different so it's 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 a good comparison because even within europe the the styles of how a spanish team plays or an italian team plays Mm -hmm. or a german or a british team they they differ a lot very different i don't know i don't know anything about barbecue and i know a little more about soccer but not too much i would say you're you're a master of both marcus do you ever would you say that you ever barbecue so I go, I'm going to be very just clear. Grill? I'm going to be very yeah. clear about this. So there's <laughs> yes, two good things that I adore and love, both sushi mm-hmm. and barbecue. Mm-hmm. And I'm asked mm-hmm. from none. Okay. Like this is Got like, it. but it's good. Oh. It's just be honest with yourself. Yeah. Oh, no, I know, <laughs> you know I, where I, to go to get the good stuff. Yeah. And I <laughs> hang out with those guys constantly. I, I, the only time you really see me like, acting like a fan around chefs is with sushi guys and barbecue guys because mm-hmm. it's so foreign from what I grew up with but I love it so mm-hmm. much so let me tell you a little bit about Rodney Scott when you think about barbecue in this country it really relates back to black culture and specifically to one of the masters of that is chef pitmaster Rodney Scott and he learned it from his uncle and he learned from his father, and he took it from a very small place to now sharing it to the world. Um, we'd cooked many, many times together in Harlem, and he's now launching his book. So I hope you enjoy this, the one and only Mr. Rodney Scott. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quinn's is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissue shoes your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Congratulations. Got a new book. Got a new book. It's out there. Talk to me about it. Oh, man. Well, first of all, thanks for having me, man. It's a pleasure to be on. It's a pleasure to talk with you again. Um, uh, thank you for the congratulations. It's, man, this new book has been amazing. It's, it's, it's been a whole new journey as a, a guy from a small town in Hemingway coming into a world of, you know, cookbooks. So, Rodney, for our listeners who might not know, what is a pitmaster, Rodney? You know, my definition of what a pit master is is a person that can cook in the pits that doesn't really need a gauge they don't really need a, a thermometer if you will they can touch they can feel they know how to control their fire and their wood without any instruments or 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 any assistance it's basically using what you have to a, a skill level as if you had everything you needed. I love that. Who started, who taught you about queuing in your family? And give us a little bit about the backstory uh, about your family and where you guys started. Okay, so my family started in barbecue back in 1972. Uh, my mom and dad moved back to South Carolina from Philadelphia um, a year after I was born. And they opened this general store. And my dad's uncle knew how to cook whole hogs. 
So my my dad's uncle would come and cook whole hogs for him every Thursday to serve sandwiches as just an extra boost to the business. And, you know, being a kid, I remember Uncle Thomas doing these little uh, uh, cookouts on Thursdays to pull the hog off at six o'clock and we would serve sandwiches until we closed. So I kind of learned from my dad and I got a, a couple of pointers from Uncle Thomas. You know, he would say little things like put the lemon in the sauce to give it that twang. So give us an idea visually, you know, barbecuing, that's required outside cooking and mopping overnight. I mean, it's very, very laborious, right? So what does that shed look like? And tell me about the mopping tradition, all of it. So just to give you a picture of what we did in cooking this whole hog, just imagine a, a shed covering mostly with a, a barrel out back, huge burn barrel is what we call it, where we put the wood in and burn it down in the hot coals. And we would use just the coals to cook the hog. So this burn barrel had to be outside just so the smoke wouldn't fill the room. And you would have just enough covering to cook your hog, whether it was raining or, or sunshine, whatever it was outside, you were exposed to the elements almost through the entire cook. So it was kind of like a bunch of people hanging around a fire if it's wintertime cooking this one hog and, and it's just like shovel coals for a little while, put it under there. And then you sit down and you wait a few minutes and you go back and you shovel again. It was an ongoing process of just, just imagine people sitting around a fire, telling lies, drinking whiskey and beer and, and cooking this hog for 12 hours. <laughs> no, that, that sounds awesome. But that's everything you talk about there. It's also yawning our tradition your family gets together. Uh, it's not just about eating the sandwich. You know, that's for the customer, maybe. But for you guys, it's what you do as a culture. The month of May is actually barbecue month in America. And, you know, in Europe, people are now saying that they're barbecuing. And I always say, no, you're not queuing. You're grilling. You're putting stuff on a grill, and that's not barbecuing. So can you explain to us as the master of this, what's the difference between barbecue and putting stuff on the grill? There's two things to remember. Barbecuing is low and slow, which means you're going to be there for hours. You know, it's not going to be a quick fire and you're done. You know, you, 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 you can't take a whole hog and grill it. You know, you can't take a, a, a brisket and grill it. It's going to be so it's going to be a process there. That's when. All of those people are gathered around drinking and telling those lies that I spoke of. Now, if you're grilling, you're throwing food over an open flame. It's real quick. It might be 20 minutes. It may be 30 minutes. Grilling, for example, is a steak. You throw a steak down. And once you throw that steak down, you have maybe 20 minutes with a steak, depending on how your fire is when you're grilling. So grilling is kind of quick. It's like a quick fire as opposed to barbecue being low and slow, and it's usually a larger cut of beef or pork or chicken. So that's the other thing that I want to explain. So you're Carolinas, so you're mostly pork. And then as you go further in to Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas, it becomes more beef. Uh, the sauces also vary. Break it down for our listeners what Carolina barbecue is, and let's say what Texas barbecue is, just so they have a, a geographic understanding of it. Just, just to give listeners an open view of what Carolina barbecue is, Carolina barbecue is mostly 
uh, a type of sauce, if you will, which usually goes on chicken or pork. So when you're cooking in the Carolinas, almost everybody's cooking pork instead of any other proteins. So the majority of uh, barbecue in the Carolinas will be pork as opposed to Texas. Beef is one of the most popular things that you ever hear along with barbecuing in Texas, as well as Oklahoma. You start to hear more beef when you go further west. The Carolinas being on the coast, you hear about a lot of pork cooking that goes on. And then um, there's also what are great sides with barbecue? Like what what a must have on Rodney's um, list of sides, for example. What, what should we have? Man, Rodney's list of sides will consist of baked beans. You got to have some coleslaw with that barbecue. You got to have uh, some collard greens. Now, I wasn't always a huge fan of collard greens, but, you know, lately I've learned to enjoy them. The way that we prepare them has gotten me kind of captured. Um, collard greens. And if you if you feel like it, cornbread. Um, did I say mac and cheese? Oh, my goodness. Mac and cheese as well. All of these things are great sides to go along with barbecue. And if you got any room left for dessert, some banana pudding, extra cookies. So I love this, right? <laughs> Because it's a vibe, right? It's definitely outdoor. You know, with the beans and everything, it takes time, right? It's not something you do one day. You might start the beans on Tuesday. You might soak them, then rinse them, and then you cook them. So it's all things that takes time. But it kind of also fits in this Southern tradition where you Not to say you have more time, but it's a slower pace of life. That's why I think barbecuing, it doesn't come from the North for many reasons. And they can ne we can never nail it. As much as we, we invested in the equipment and all of it, I always like, please, please, there is no one in the, you know, North of Virginia that can beat any guy South of Virginia. It's, it's something about the South, man. I don't know if it's... Uh the hard work that a lot of people put in and preparing for the barbecue or again, the fellowship that you get when everybody kind of stands around when it's going on, but there's just something different about barbecue in the South than you would find up North. It's more of a laid back lifestyle. Everybody's kind of kicked back in the chairs, you know, they're, they're all just telling some of the biggest lies ever told <laughs> about how fast they were when they were younger, how good they were at playing sports. And it's just something different in, in the South. Can you tell me also a little bit about the mop? Because the mop should have a name. It's an icon in the family by itself. Uh, it's a cuz at this point, right? What's the mop? Who is he? Who came up with the mop? Uh, tell us about that. So the mop. Yes, I said mop. Understand mop. Like you see what people use on mop the floor. The first time I've encountered the mop, was with Uncle Thomas. As a kid, I noticed he opened this brand new mop and he dunked it in the sauce. And as he dipped it in the sauce, he pulled it out and it, dra it drained and he let it drain over the hog and he just gave it, you know, a nice little drop and, and, and dip back in. And I asked him, I remember asking him, why are you doing that? And he says, this will put the sauce all over it. So the mop is the same technique that we use to this very day. So, Rodney, I have to ask this. Besides your own family's um, legacy, what are some other barbecue, maybe a place uh, outside the Carolinas that you enjoy, that you love eating barbecue from? 
man. So if I'm outside of the Carolinas, well, if North Carolina counts, <laughs> um, uh, Sam Jones barbecue. Uh, I love the way he chops his skin in there, his hog. So it's a little crunch in every few bites. Um, I got to admit, I did enjoy uh, Joe's in Oklahoma. Um, uh, Arthur Bryant's out in Kansas City. Um, wow. Where else have I been? Texas, Aaron Franklin, um, La Barbecue. They're 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 nailing it over there, man. I I was in Texas for a while and I, I ate there more than twice. <laughs> I mean, for me, when I think about it, barbecue is a culture that lives kind of it's within the cooking tent, but it's even bigger than that because you guys are rock stars at this point. People follow you. Tell us a little bit about the book. Who did you co-write it with? Who took the uh, fantastic photographs and everything? Tell us who, who the people helped you put it together. Man, uh, first of all, shout out to everybody who helped me with this book. Um, this was a journey that I've never taken. The book is called uh, Rodney Scott's World of Barbecue. Every day is a good day. And the co-author, Lois Eli, you know, I, Personally, I see him as the head author because this man is very talented. He, his wording in, in understanding what I was trying to say, helping me lay everything out the way that it's been laid out, did an amazing job, in my opinion. Um, Jarrell Guy, who took all of the photographs in this book, I mean, it's like everything jumped off the pages, just, just, just kind of jumps right out at you. And, and she did an amazing job with this book. And it's, it's one of the biggest things I've ever done. Uh, again, shout out to them. I want to thank them for all of their help, guidance, their professionalism, and how to deliver this book. And this this book tells the story of Rodney Scott from young childhood to current day. And it kind of takes you through my world of how I grew up, farming, it, how uh, recipes I've encountered along the way, people I've encountered with their styles of cooking, that kind of relates to barbecue as well as some of the people I've worked alongside. One of the things that I thought about when I went through the book and the, the book is amazing. And, uh, you, you, yeah. everything that's happening for you is happening for you for a reason because you earned it and worked for it for a very long time. The two things I wanted to ask you was your father, your uncle, when they would have seen, okay, well, there's a cookbook here and your son, right? To see on the, where where does he fall in all of this stuff? When he watch, when he sees you on TV, when he sees that my father now has a cookbook, does he is he too young to understand the responsibilities, or is he queuing with you already? Tell me a little bit about Junior, man. Well, man, I got to tell you about Braylon. I call him Ike. He is uh he's he's learning along the way. He's he's a kid, you know. He's he's not wanting to always be out there and cook with me. He's 12 now. I was hoping I'd get him to cook a hog by the time that he turned 12. But he he knows how to start the grill. He knows how to uh, make his burger patties. I start him off with smaller proteins with something that he can go from start to finish. He knows how to cover the grill back up and store it. These are a lot of the things that he's learning slowly along the way. He sees us on TV and he says, Daddy, we're famous. And I'm like, there's a lot of work that comes behind this. But in out of respect to to everything that we do, we do, he's still grounded. He's still 
himself. He's still a kid. He see us on TV. He don't overreact like he used to. And, and he loves the fact that at school, his classmates say, we saw you on Netflix. Yes, yes, so. yes. Because I do think that out of all the cooking techniques, right, I do think barbecue, even as great as your cookbook will be, it's still an oral um, craft, right? You got to touch and feel. And it's an oral craft that, you know, it's not like if your family, you know what you know because your uncle and your dad taught you. There was no, I know there was no recipe written down. I know this for a fact, right? So you're the first person in your family that truly went, okay, you have to document this. It's done when it's done. We know how, to, how it should feel. So it's a whole other process than, let's say, pastry where you have to cook with a recipe. So take this oral tradition and actually document it. It's so big because the mystique around barbecue, which is kind of, when something is passed down and it's orally passed down, you know, it has a it has another level of mystique to it that I feel I find very often uh, is very unique to African American culture. You can find it in the blues. You can find it, in, you know, in really well crafted hip hop or jazz. So I I feel like there's a parallel path with our history, uh, and barbecuing is that last thing that is there's a mystique. And there's a family tradition there, right? Yeah, there's a strong family tradition with barbecue. And, and like, you speak of that mystique. A lot of people don't want to tell you exactly how they did it because they want you to think this is the only way that it should be done right or could be done right. And they kind of hold on to these ideas and their personal secrets and techniques because they don't want to share it. But I felt like if we're sharing this great flavor with people, I can share these recipes with you, you know? Sharing a recipe doesn't mean that the person's going to actually go out and do it because a lot of times they're busy. They have long days. They just don't feel like it. They, they can't spare the 12 hour cook time. And they, they still come to you to say, Hey, look, I need a pound of barbecue. I need some chickens cooked or whatever. But I feel like when you're sharing a little bit of that technique, like we did in this book, we're kind of sharing the love of, what barbecue does. I mean, look how many barbecues you've attended and remember the vibe, how everybody's there. They're kind of happy. They're, they're laid back. People are sipping on cold drinks and they're sharing stories and sharing their stories through food. And not only are you sharing all of this with these other people, but the, the pit master is sharing his soul with you through his food. And I mean, even the word pit master, right? Like we were, as many things as black people, we were not written into American food history. And uh, very often the pitmaster, if you go back and look at old tradition, the pitmaster was always white, knowing that all the people who did the labor were black, right? So I've always have, there's always this sort of weight to that word, right? Because uh, yeah. you know the tradition, you know? But in your case, it's it's something that you really... Um, you really earned it with all the hours and all, all, all the, you know, you devoted your life to barbecuing and now you're passing it on through storytelling, which is so beautiful. It's really, really important. Yeah, you know, I, I want to pass it on. Um, what's funny is I, sometimes I meet older people and they say, you're Rodney Scott? I was looking for an old man uh, because 
the kind of food that you're cooking and the way that you, they describe your food, this is a technique that older people do. And they, 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 they're kind of in disbelief that, you know, I'm not 70 years old and I'm not this old guy with, with, you know, wearing, <laughs> you know, they, they have this picture in their mind about it, but you know, I, I, just, I just always wanted to share that love, to share the techniques that I grew up with, to to just kind of give people a sense of peace and happiness for the moment that our barbecue is served at whatever event. Yes, definitely, definitely. And, you know, I, I always like to say every day is a good day just to try to pass a positive vibe. And I want to send that through the food. You know, every day is a good day. Just, just, just to help change the world. Oh, that's amazing, and uh, and I just love the fact that I mean, we both come from families where, um, you know, pretty much at the same time, you know, different parts of the world. But my grandmother passed passed down the craft of cooking to me, and the fact that I'm still to this day, forty years later, cooking her meatballs in the restaurant. Right when I do that, I it, it gives me chills. Like I hear her voice. Um, I hear her yelling at me if I'm not doing that, the temperature is not right. All of that stuff, right? <laughs> the fact that we're so blessed because we're really carrying out a legacy and it's it, it both humbles me, but it's also um, something to pass on to my son. You know, so I, I just feel like we both have that level of privilege and luxury that we obviously worked for, but it but it's a very special thing to do. It is, man, absolutely. You speak of the voices you hear from your, uh, your grandma and your and. You know, my mom, her sister, my, one of my aunts, and another cousin that's like 10 years older than I am. I'm 50 this year. So they came into the restaurant and we put everything in front of them. And my cousin said to me, how did you get the recipe for grandma's cornbread? And I, and I told him, I was like, whoa. And my mom was sitting there and my, and my aunt said, tastes just, like tastes, tastes just like mama's. And I'm like, I'm shocked. Because... I had to take the muscle memory of what grandma used to make and try to remember when it came out of the oven and what it tastes like. And, and to capture that and have that recipe written down and to consistently do that, man, you don't know how many days I've sat in a corner by myself just to, just to say, wow, I'm so appreciative of all the things that I've witnessed and learned growing up. And I get to share it with the world through food. Rapid fire. What makes good barbecue? What would be a simple tip for a listener? Yeah, let's start with those two. Uh, you know, a couple of things that makes good barbecue and, and a good tip for everybody is, for one, be careful. Take your time. Have patience and, and, and have fun with it. Don't try to cook your foods too fast. Low and slow is the way to go. Set time aside, prepare yourself, and invite some people over that help gives you some of the best vibes that you've ever experienced. So, Careful with your grill. Make sure you're in a safe area where no sparks or anything are too close to anything combustible. You always want to make sure that your food is kept uh, refrigerated until you need it. Make sure you don't leave it out too long and have fun. Be careful. Wear gloves. Keep your tools clean. Just take your time and enjoy. We're queuing. We're eating uh, in Charleston. What are we drinking and what are we listening to? Oh, man. If we're eating... Q in Charleston, we're probably drinking either some sweet tea or maybe some bourbon. Um, <laughs> I go for the know? bourbon. I go for the bourbon with you. Yes. 
and we're listening to some upbeat R&B, yeah. some, some music that'll keep the flow going. You know, every now and again, Marvin Gaye will slide in there with some smooth stuff, but we want to kind of have an upbeat vibe going. You know, we want a good feel around what we're listening to, what we're sipping on and what we're eating on. Tell us the book's title and where we can find it. Thank you. Uh, the book is uh, called Rodney Scott's World of Barbecue. Every day is a good day. You can find it online with Amazon. You can find it at Barnes Noble. You can find it at Books A Million. Even check your local bookstores. Support your local bookstores as well because these guys get just as many books that you will need or want as any of the larger sites. All right. We, we, we appreciate you, Rodney, and congratulations once again. All right? Thank you, man. Thank you. I appreciate this time and the effort and, uh, and allowing me to be here. Thank you. Rodney Scott on this moment. Boyka, boyka, boyka. Barbecue it is. <laughs> oh, man, you got my mouth. You got my mouth watering, bro. Thank you for clearing that up. I, I do not uh, wish to confuse barbecue with grill any further. <laughs> Jason, let's put together a little playlist. I got one for you right now. One of Nas's first songs ever live at the barbecue. Uh, I think it's a Large Professor. Nas drops a hot verse on it. Live at the barbecue, man. Just like Nas did this time with the JC cut and the Khalid cut, you know? So Jason, I'm going to send you five songs and you send me, you send five songs and put a little you list know, together, right? You know? Hit us up with your comments, your feelings, your reactions, your suggestions and ideas at thismomentpodcast at gmail.com. Of course, you follow us on Instagram at thismomentpodcast. Peace. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.